It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. Welcome into another episode of On the Clock. I am your host, Brett Whitefield. Today, we are joined by a good pal of mine, Mr. Elliot Christ, the CEO of Fantasy Life. Elliot, welcome to the show. I'm pumped to be here, man, talking the draft. This this feels like the old days. I'm, I'm excited, and I appreciate you having me on, Brett. Heck yeah, man. So typically on this show, we talk, we get like really in deep depth about certain prospects. We talk about the scouting process, the evaluation process. We do a little bit of mock draft fun as well. But today with you, Elliot, we are taking a different approach. And this is why this podcast is cool. Uh, you know, brush my shoulders off. But it's because we, we look at every aspect of the draft humanly possible. And so today we're talking about betting the draft. And Elliot, you are probably the most sharp draft better that I know. You know, I'm, there might be people out there that are, are better than you, but I don't know them. So to me, you're the best in the world, Elliot. I thought I, there'd be no better person to have on this podcast to talk about betting the draft than you. I don't know if I would say I'm the best in the world at it. There's a, there's a lot of great guys. Um, Anthony D'Amico is someone that comes to mind. Um, Vegas refund. But there are, and of course, I have a group chat talking about betting the draft with those guys 365 days a year because we're, we're psychopaths. But it's it's such a unique market. It's a speculative market that you're betting, which makes it so different than betting on games. And, you know, one of the things I love about the draft is the prospect evaluation standpoint, right? Like, Trying to predict who's going to be good is such a fun. Yeah, it's so much fun. It's also a detriment to betting the draft because you don't want your personal bias to make impacts on where you think a player is going to go. Right? Like, if you think Smith and Jigba is the best wide receiver and he's the same guy as last year, so he's got to go under his prop line. That you that has nothing to do with where NFL teams think he might go and what the value is. And I, I think. Finding the right numbers is a huge part of the draft. It's all about probabilities and being willing to take risks and understand that there's no such thing as sure things outside of the first or second overall pick and being willing to to bet into uh, uncertainty and take advantage of probability is is, is really the way you, you attack the draft. I, I love that, man. Before we get real heavy into this, I got to ask you one question. Have the lines moved at all since Will Levis posted his his double selfie yesterday? Did you see this double selfie, Elliot? I did see the double selfie. I, I did a couple push-ups as soon as I saw it because I was like, I don't look like that. But not honestly, not in his favor. Nothing moved in his favor. Anthony Richardson got a lot of love yesterday. Um, obviously, in anticipation of his pro day. That's going to matter a lot more than a random picture on the internet of, of a guy flexing. I... <laughs> but no, the the Will Levis shirtless pictures and and realizing that his back is something from from a movie or whatever, like it, it looks created in a lab, did not impact the draft betting market. You said you uh, you dropped and did some push ups, Elliot. I hate to break it to you, but I think we would need to do a lot more than that. I think it's going to come down to some some substances, perhaps. I don't know. The guy. Oh the, yeah, no. There's there's like um you know. Some, sometimes in life, you just have to understand that those days are over. I'm 33 years old. Me looking like Will Levis is just its just not a thing that I need to try to go for. 
if you guys haven't seen the picture, I think NFL uh, Twitter account actually tweeted him out last night. Go check that out. The man looks like, I don't know, a Marvel superhero. I mean, he's so cut. It's it's hard to believe a guy like that is natural when you see how cut the guy is. But and bulked actually, he's he's pretty bulked up too, and he's and he's very cut. So, but all right. Anyways, Elliot, I would love for you to kind of give the listeners a starting point for how to like say you want to get into betting the draft. I have learned a lot from you over the years. In fact, like I had a really really good year last year betting on the draft, and most of it was because of you. One of the big ones I hit was I had. Uh, I bet Trayvon Walker to go first overall the second I saw him run his 40 <laughs> because I think I got him at 72 to one. And that obviously was a, a great bet for me, but most of the other bets I made in one, I won because of you, you teaching me over the years and you, we were always texting each other different, you know, I wouldn't say we're well-sourced, but we have decent sources, you know? So we kind of go back and forth with some ideas and, and honestly, most of the, most of the bets I've hit on are because of you. So if you could give people like a starter's guide, like a real quick couple minute starter's guide to how to, how to start getting into betting the draft, that would be awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I would, you know, I would say this is also fantastic timing, right? Like DraftKings last night just released their first over under positions The the sports books are releasing this stuff a little bit later because they've been getting killed the last few years yes. on these speculative markets. And, um, the first thing is remove bias. The second thing is, is learn to understand whose information is moving the market. So, and whose information is valued. And I think one of the mistakes that people get caught up into is, Oh, X, Y, and Z's mock draft just dropped today. Right. That they have this new person who's never gone first overall. I need to rush to go buy this person's and like, is that draft a what I would do draft? Is this a draft of let's create media conversation around it? Because we, we start circulating the same draft stories over and over again, and it's not necessarily helpful. I think another thing is really studying who these teams and uh, specifically general managers and head coaches, what prototypes they go for, what matters to them, what they're looking for, right? Because, you know, Frank Reich is a great example where people have made so much about him being six foot four. Uh, needing a six foot four quarterback and never working with a smaller player. And he can say that doesn't matter, but history suggests that even if all of his backups are that, he's he's looking for a bigger quarterback. If uh, last year with Trayvon Walker was a great example, Balky was really three cone time mattered to him. Explosive athletes mattered to him. And Walker was a more explosive athlete than Aiden Hutchinson, even though Hutchinson, he had the better rookie year, he had the better tape, all that kind of stuff. But Balky had a type he liked. And Walker fit into that very clearly. And to your point, when Walker ran it, it, he was a significant long shot, but 72 to 1 was too much. It's also, you have to be willing to move quickly, right? In sports betting, you want to be able to do a lot of information. The more information you can consume, the more ready you'll be. So Gonzalez, the cornerback out of Oregon yesterday, opened up with an over over under of 6.5. The over, and just real quick, over under on draft position, because typically – it gets a little confusing over six and a half means that if he goes seventh, it'll be over fifth. It'll be under right. The over opened at plus plus one twenty, which means that it's, it's, he's favored to go in the first six picks. You look at it. He's not going to go one. He's not going two. I know that he's got some connection to the Cardinals at three, but they're not going to stay there and pick him at three. The Colts are connected to a quarterback. The Seahawks probably aren't really looking to take him at that point. It's the lions. And now the lions have been connected to him a fair amount. But 
that's one, assuming the Lions take a, a corner, assuming he's the corner, and also that's assuming that what happens if there's a trade for Anthony Richardson at three, Will Levis goes four, and now all of a sudden he's got to beat out all these other top prospects. You don't have very many outs there. So I was actually sitting there processing this information, and I was like, you know what, this is a good bet. And I went to bet it, and I was like, and then it, immediately, it was already at minus 120 for the over. While I did that whole logic process. Wow. And then I was like, you know what? Let me, I'm going to add, this is the next level. I'm going to start doing aggregated data. This is one of the studies I, re- I really like grinding the mocks and NFL mock draft database. One individual mock draft is, isn't very valuable. A consumption of all of them to get an aggregate of where guys are going and what their ranges are and how they're moving up is incredibly valuable. So that allowed me to see like, oh, he's seven seven four. So on average, the highest he goes is to the lines at six. Now that's backing up what my original thought is. Let's let's look at this. Okay, let's make this bet. It moved up to minus 180, and I was like, well, I missed it. And this morning, it's minus 250. So like it's one of those examples of you got to move quickly on these markets because they will move. I mean, Anthony Richardson going to the Titans yesterday, right? There's been some some smoke about something like that. That moved from plus 850 to plus 290 in the span of an hour. Like, it's, you have to move quickly. This can't be like, oh, should I bet this? Should I not? It's either yes or no. And that's one of those grinding the mocks, trusting your – knowing who has good information because everyone loves to pretend they have a draft source. Everybody. Yeah. And you don't really know until the season comes out. But um, when – if someone was like, Mac Jones is the guy, no doubt about it, on draft day. There's a decent chance like that person, whoever that person got their information from might not be a reliable source. And one of the things I've learned, and this is no shot at them at all, um, but guys like Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport, the big, big news breakers, they tend to be getting information either from agents who are looking to hype up their prospects or teams who are looking to set smoke screens. Teams aren't sending smoke screens to guys with 5,000 followers. Right. right, that that know someone in the building and something like that. That's that's not gonna do something to NFL teams. Adam Schefter and his whatever it is, ten million Twitter followers, when he tweets, oh, maybe they'll do a Bryce Young situation. It'll be a trade. Like everyone goes nuts, and they're trying. Like I, I really think that whole thing came down to the Panthers want C.J. Stroud. They know that the Texans want Bryce Young. There's no risk there. Can we pick up some of our assets back and convince the Texans that's what's going to happen? And I think that we've seen that the Texans were just like, no, <laughs> that's not what's going to happen here. So to, to kind of circle it all up, I would say you got to be decisive. You have to understand whose information is good, and that takes time. You need to uh, aggregate data, specifically with grinding the mocks and NFL mock draft database, and you need to remove bias. Removing bias is what turned me from a good draft better to a great draft better. And it stinks because I, I do a little bit less of the evaluation process because it gets, I can, it's so hard to remove bias. When you love a player, it's so hard. But the thing is, it ultimately doesn't matter what you think an NFL team should do. It's, it's not predictive. Now, it's great in terms of dynasty and understanding players' uh, upsides and fantasy and all that. But from an instant reaction, like, I'll give you an example. Amon Ross St. Brown was a guy we talked about a lot. We both loved. Yes. His prop line came out at like 105. And I was like, this is the easiest under bet ever. (laughs) 
I know. And then he went over, and I was sitting there, and I was like, are we really taking these bums over Amon Ross St. Brown? And I would do it again, to be honest, just because of that's also what the data suggested. But I kept putting more on it because I was like, There's, this makes no sense. And then sure enough, he went like 110, 111. <laughs> yeah, what, 20, 21 receivers went before him in that draft? Yeah, oops. That was an oops. Yeah. But it's such a great example, too, of like – and the other thing I, I like to study is like historical trends of the draft. Same. Because one of the things we're learning is teams are doing putting more and more value on premium positions, right? So we've seen wide receivers continue to climb up boards. Like 10.6 wide receivers go in the first two rounds in the last five draft classes. There has not been a single draft class without five second-round receivers in the last five years. There's going to be some names that go there. So when we get when we get some of these positions, you have to understand, hey, if this if they're giving me Cedric Tillman, for example, at 63 and a half, I'm going to look and say he's probably the number two typical prototypical X receiver because he's six foot three, 215 pounds. He runs a four five out of the SEC. That's the kind of guy that NFL teams tend to like. Yep. And there's a scarcity of X receivers, which we've talked about at nauseum on this podcast, but whether it was free agency or even in this draft, I mean, you have, what, three guys that can comfortably play X, Quinton Johnston, Tillman, and A.T. Perry, and there's a, a wide range of outcomes there between those three guys. So, I mean, it's- so if Quinton Johnson goes top 12, right, just in this hypothetical world, and Tillman's number is 63 and a half, he doesn't have a line right now. It's just kind of more for the sake of talking about how to bet the draft. You're saying that you've got about – 48 outs of a team needing an X receiver. Right. It's a, a lot of outs. That's that's another thing about betting Christian Gonzalez. Like, that's one of those overs or no plays for me because I don't want to bet something with one out unless there's long odds on it. Yes. It's, yeah. Honestly, the draft is a lot like poker where you, you're trying – you want to have as many outs as possible. Like, if you're if you're – if the flop comes – and you've got a bunch of outs. You're like you're still betting into it. But now we're four on the river, and you're like the only way I win is with a two of diamonds. You probably shouldn't go all in on this bet, <laughs> right? Um, you talked about historical trends. Another thing I picked up on, I think over the last five years, we've averaged seventeen and a half wide receivers on days one and two combined. Yeah, which is that's a lot of receivers. So that makes the Amon Ra thing even more maddening, right? Because it's like. Uh, there's yeah. no reason he should not have been one of those 17 guys. But it, to your point, offensive linemen, talented edge rushers, wide receivers, and top tier quarterbacks, they continue to move up the board. Now, one of the biggest myths, and honestly, the the Kyle Trask, Kellen Mond year was is kind of the one exception, is these guys tend to go top ten. Or day three. three. Like Sam Howell's a great example. His over-under was 32 and a half because every year we get the, this guy might sneak into the first round. He's probably not. Like if you just, you go, like Bryce Petty was a guy that they were like, the Saints are looking at at 32 overall because they want the fifth-year option. The fifth-year option is definitely valuable, but it's one of those things that's talked about a lot more than ever executed on. And it's learning, it's also learning about draft betting narratives and being able to take advantage of those lines. So if I don't think a quarterback's going to go top 10, so there's four guys this year who I wouldn't bet the the overs on. But if I don't think a guy's going to go top 10, it's 
pretty easy for me to just blind bet his over because he's most likely to fall during the draft. Does Hendon Hooker have a line right now? He does not. There's only four guys with lines. I would say if we do this podcast again in two weeks, there'll be okay. 25 guys with lines. And on draft day, they'll probably be like 50. Yeah. To your point about the fifth-year option guys too, Elliot, a lot of times the guys – like when you see a team trade back into the first, it's usually for a guy that we kind of expected to go in the first round. It's not usually for one of these fringy guys where you're like, ooh, maybe. Like Lamar Jackson's a, a guy who comes to mind. He went 32nd overall. Every I think every mock draft in history that year had him going top 20. Yeah. So, And that's a great example of someone falling, right, that was not expected, not someone prioritizing one of these guys. I can't – I can't think of the actual example. Kellen Mond was a guy that people talked about potentially trading into the first round for. Yes. Yep, I remember. And it's <clears throat> it never happens. It never happens. And that gets back to these these guys' agents. They're doing their job. They're trying to get teams interested and in saying, Oh, I like this guy on second round. Let me see if I can move up. Then, you know, everything with the draft is slotted based on where you go is what you get paid. And so that's where that's that's where betting into and learning who's the information is coming from and how valuable it is, is, is really important because if you're betting into smoke screens, you're going to get killed. <laughs> yes. You're going to get annihilated. Uh, Ellie, let me ask you about this. Do you ever hedge a bet based on either new information or new market? Like say the market completely flips and you're like, I'm trying to think of a good example. I feel, I feel like I hedged successfully twice last year. I can't remember the the examples, but I'm pretty sure it was on over unders where I bought in on an under or something, and then, and then his line went completely bonkers, and then the over ended up becoming attractive. So I, I end up hedging with an over, you know. And all you need to do is hit a certain range, and then you make money. Do you ever do you ever play that game at all, or is it pretty rare? All the time, I'll middle all the time. Um, middle, that's a better term for it. Sorry. Well, there's middling and hedge. So middling is what you just described in terms of like a guy might open up at twelve and a half. You bet his over, and he gets steamed up to 18 and a half and you're like oh now this is really his wheelhouse and now i'm getting the equivalent of if you're doing stuff at minus 110 minus 115 you're talking about 18 or 20 to 1 that he goes between 12 and, and 20 and you start to have like risk-free big upside so i'll do that but the way i'm doing that typically is based on new information i'm not just like this is the middle it's like oh so his draft stock fell because it was it was overhyped but it has not fallen this much where this is probably the right range for him Another in terms of like hedging is like I got when when the lines opened up, Will Anderson was uh, plus two forty to be the first defender drafted. Now he's minus four hundred. That's a great example of how things move. Will Anderson was the first over under player to drop at three and a half. I took his over three and a half because I also have him at plus two forty to be the the um, first defender. And the only way he's being the first defender drafted. Or um, the only way he's going top three is if he goes third, right? Because Stroud and Young go one-two in this scenario. And if it's not Stroud and Young, you can bet your bottom dollar it's quarterback, quarterback, right? Yes. Um, okay, so now Will Anderson goes three. I win the first defender bet, and I lost this. Will Anderson goes above three. I've now won both bets if he still becomes the first defender. If he goes above three... And he isn't the first defender. Well, now I've won my money back on that other thing. So that's an example of it's technically hedging, but there's a really good chance to win both of them. Um, other things I'll do is like I'll have players go get drafted by multiple teams. 
right? Like Anthony Richardson, I have him nine to one to the Colts, nine to one to the Seahawks, and nine to one on the Titans. And now those are the three most likely teams for him. Now I can lose all three, right? But I think that a team's going to come up to three to get him. He's going to go four or he's going to go five. And I feel really good about that. That's a way where you can hedge and kind of get crushed as well. But I'm I'm willing to, I don't need to win every bet, right? Like if I bet Bijan Robinson to the Falcons at 33 to one, it wouldn't stop me if there's buzz about the Bears taking him, taking him to the Bears. I, I look at those as, as separate bets where if I win one of them, it's going to massively pay off all three. So I'm glad you brought up Bijan. This is a, a guy I want to talk about. What, what are the betting markets telling you right now? Like, where can you pin a range for him? Because a lot of just dra- like guys like me who are more in the evaluation side of the business, Elliot. Like, I have no idea where this guy's going to go. I think there's a there's a functional landing spot from him all the way from six to twenty nine, but it's going to take a team just really betting on the upside of a generational type talent. Because I mean, honestly, none of these teams really need a running back in the first round. So it's like, so I think the betting markets will probably do a better job of telling us where he should go or where he's likely to go than, like, say, a guy like me who's just doing the evaluation. And he's really difficult because you you need to understand team philosophies, right? Right. In terms of the running back. Now, I think that's where you want to look at. Like, a, a Falcons were thirty three to one, and now they're ten to one, and the fifth most likely team to draft it. The Falcons are a team that historically believe in best player available. They're a run-heavy team. They uh, Their coach, Arthur Smith, had a ton of success with a big, powerful back that they could hand the ball off 20-plus times a game to. They've come out and said that Tyler Algier is not the lead back of the future, right? He's more of a committee guy. And whenever you're best player available and you don't value so much on positional value, it makes sense that they might take a running back at eight. I wouldn't do it, but again... right. If I got to control all 32 NFL teams, betting the draft would be a lot easier. Um, <laughs> the Chargers are consistently one because they might trade Austin Eckler. Right? Like that's a team that gets thrown around a lot. But I'm not betting the Chargers to take Bijan Robinson at the shortest odds when it requires Austin Eckler also getting a suitor for to pay him big contract. Right? That's that's already plus odds. And then Bijan Robinson also needs to go to the Chargers. The Commanders are next. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know what Washington's doing in general. Like, I don't understand the franchise. For some reason, they're not interested in either drafting a quarterback or going after a veteran other than Jacoby Brissett and Sam Howell. I, that, they would surprise me. The Cowboys are really because I think they loved Zeke last year or in the past, right? And they're trying to do that again. But Cowboys are actually showing a, recently a propensity to, to have positional value mm-hmm. and understand positions that they should attack. The Eagles are another team where it's like Howie Roseman has never been a guy that's taken a running back at 10th overall. So I don't understand that one. They've never been a team with a bell cow running back ever, period. Yes. Um, So those are just things I I don't understand. And then you start to get teams like the Lions. I don't think David Montgomery impacts whether or not they would draft B. John Robinson, but I don't think they'd consider him 6th overall. Correct. so then now you're getting into trades. And this is where it becomes really difficult because his range of outcomes are everyone in the league says he's the number one running back. Everyone in the league is like he's a generational talent. And everyone in the league is like, I don't want to pay running backs. So I think he's going to be locked and loaded. into. He's definitely going to go in the first round. I think he'll go top 20 because of 
there's there's some team or coach that's going to have that old school mentality that loves him. But his range of outcomes is so wild that the only way I'd consider betting on him is if I get long odds on a team that makes it worthwhile. Right? Yeah. Because otherwise, now I'm betting as if there's something that's certainty. Like four and a half to one is like a, you're talking about like a, a 22, 23% probability. It is not one in four that the, the Los Angeles Chargers take Bijan Robinson. Right? Like that. So now, now I don't actually have proper value. So to me, Robinson is one of the really unique players in terms of betting on, and I would much rather look at long shots talking 20 to one or higher before I even really start considering it. That is super valuable information. All right, Elliot, we got to get you going here, but before you do, and I know that people won't be listening to this live, so there's a chance the betting market change. There are any bets out there right now that you like that you think, uh, you know, would be worth throwing a, a oh, this is you know another question I wanted to ask you. Do you always bet in units or like if you really love a bet, will you bet more than a unit? Yes. Or are you okay? So I, I I tend to try to go one to two units. Um, one unit is a hundred dollars for me. Two units is two hundred dollars. But like a unit is literally just a percentage of your bankroll. That's the way you're supposed to play it. Um. The draft is the one time I'll go significantly over that. So, like, I put five units on Stroud going first the second that trade happened because he was minus 115. And I was like, that's the guy. I was told if the Cardinals, if the, sorry, if the Panthers go up, it's for CJ Stroud. And that the Panthers are battling the Colts to try to get to one because their guy is CJ Stroud. They make the trade. I have the even money. I'm like, all right, this is acting on information. Then he goes to minus 300. At that point, I'm not making that a five unit play anymore, right? The, the longer shots, something that's like 20 to 1, I'm not putting 100 bucks on. I'm putting like 20 30 $40 trying to make sure if I hit one or two of these throughout the draft, it's, it's it pays off in a big way. Um, in terms of a bet that I would make right now, like these, these have all changed so much and there are a lot are coming out right now. But the, my favorite one is in terms of embracing uncertainty is um, Broderick Jones to be the first offensive lineman at plus 500. Um, I think this offensive, I think he's much closer to the top two guys than people are giving him credit for in among NFL circles. He's been connected to the Bears by people who are in the know. I think Jordan Reed at ESPN just mocked him there. Multiple Bears beat writers said they spent a lot of time with him. And, you know, nine has got a decent chance to be the first offensive tackle. So that's one of those. Do I think he should be the favorite to be the first offensive tackle? No. But at five to one, you're giving me a 20% probability. And I think it's probably closer to 30 or 40. He should probably be closer to like plus 250, plus 300. So um, that to me offers value. And that's what I'm doing is because I will add up a lot of draft bets throughout the course of the year because valuable numbers will ultimately pay off in terms of probabilities. That's freaking awesome. All right. Real quick, any any bets out there you like that you want to throw out? Other than Broderick Jones... I mean, honestly, like I'd still bet Will Anderson over three and a half at minus two twenty-five. Um, Christian Gonzalez is a guy that like that one moved. The other ones are probably like, oh, um, like I like Zay Jones under the the other one. I would say is like I think that Dalton Kincaid. I haven't bet this one yet because I'm waiting for it to go up, but Kincaid is plus one sixty-five to be the first tight end drafted. Uh, over on Caesars and 
I think he's got a better chance. I think it's a true toss-up between him and Mayer. I think it's going to depend on who people like. Obviously, Darnell Washington's going to be that sleeper in that category. But I know Kincaid's got some fans, and I think him and Mayer's range are pretty similar. So at plus 165, I have some interest there. Yeah, I think I think there's a, a really good chance Kincaid gets drafted before Mayer, for sure. So at that point, I'm I'm getting plus money on something. Those are the ones that you know start adding to your bankroll in a hurry. Heck yeah. All right, that is going to do it. Elliot, you're fantastic. Everyone should tune into anything you're doing, which I know isn't, you know, you don't do a lot of the forward-facing stuff these days, right? But you do have some stuff going on at Fantasy Life, the the newsletter. You got some dynasty profiles you've written. I know it's not many, but it's some. Where else can they find your work? Is Are you doing any, any uh, like, audio media, like podcasts or video? I'll, I'll do some. Uh, everything will be with Fantasy Life. You can go to fantasylife.com, sign up for the free newsletter. I got prospect profiles on C.J. Stroud, um, B. John Robinson, Cedric Tillman, Roskin Johnson. And I will be doing a ton of betting content on the NFL draft over the next month for Fantasy Life as these lines continue to come out. So if you're you're interested in the betting the draft, head to fantasylife.com, subscribe to the newsletter, and it'll get delivered to your inbox on a daily basis. Awesome. Thanks again, man. Appreciate you. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Fantasy Points Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com.